I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we got to talk to two Worcester women with like grungy roots in the yeah. city of Worcester, uh, proudly so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. The first was Megan Jasper, the CEO of Sub Pop. Molly, can you just give us the background on Sub Pop? I can. Um, and this was like, this was very thrilling for me because that is a world that I've admired since I was like a teenager. Um, so Sub Pop originally was a record company. It's a record label that was formed in the mid and late 80s. Um, and their first big act was that kind of took off was Sonic Youth. Um, but they later were the label responsible for um, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Mud Honey, um, sort of that Seattle sound. <clears throat> and we did talk to Megan a bit about that and a little bit about her background, which is really, really cool. Um, and then even bringing it to now, so Sub Pop actually was, went down for a few years. Um, and now it's back in full force, and I think they're really killing it. They have artists like Father Don Misty and Slater Kinney, um, Flight of the Concords, which I was very excited about. And even, you know, people that we may not have heard of, so like a band called Mets, which but which is huge, like in sort of their demographic, right, of the of funky rock punk type bands. Um, so yes. I was I was very excited to speak yeah. to her. She had a very cool background. And that was a great connection to make, too, out of the sheer kindness of her heart, where she was like, wow, women in Worcester are doing cool things. I'll make time in my very busy schedule to talk to you. Um, and she was actually here last week. I've run into her a couple of times. She makes trips back to Worcester, where she grew up, and she loves consignment. So I met her mother at Maria's Modern Muse, and she was the one who first made the connection for us. And then I met her again at Sweet Jane's. It was in the cards. Yeah. Speaking of women doing cool things in Worcester, mm-hmm. we also spoke to multi-award winning server Jenny Pasillo. Yes. <laughs> and she loves that era as well. You know, the 90s grunge era. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit later, we got into Ba Wada Ba. Ba, ba yeah. yeah. The By Kid, Kid Rock. Rock song. Right. But things that are gritty, like our city yeah. of Worcester and taking pride in them. Yep. So where like Kid Rock wouldn't fall into the grunge category, but like she used the word, she was like, it was, it's just gross. It's dirty. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. And it was, it was a fun juxtaposition and she'll discuss that a little more, but... You wouldn't look look at her and say, oh, that girl's going to sing Kid Rock at karaoke. Right. She's a very cute, put-together, pregnant woman right now. She's due on Wednesday. Yes. By the time this airs, she'll have already had her beautiful baby. Um, and she's just made great connections as a server with the patrons of Joey's where she works. And she's really built, you know, a rapport. And a following. Yeah, and a following is just like someone who's great at her job and great at connecting with people Mm -hmm. so enjoy these girls with grit Uh, we were so lucky to speak with them this week enjoy the ac lounge at the ac hotel in downtown worcester is the newest place to be during may the trendy ac lounge is featuring fun and exciting ways to officially usher in spring showcasing custom signature drinks to celebrate college graduations build your own bruschetta bar yum and a fun pop-up artist event and a meet the chef culinary evening on national hamburger day Check out the AC Hotels by Marriott Worcester Facebook or visit them on 125 Front Street behind City Hall. So my first question is just what do you cherish about growing up in Worcester? What do you remember um, and what is your your history here? Oh my God, um, that is the best question. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Worcester and I lived in Worcester. My I've, I've lived in Worcester for... 17 years until I went to college. Um, I grew up um, near, like in the Burncoat area. Mm -hmm. And when I was in um, junior high, my family moved over um, towards Salisbury Street. So I went to Forest Grove and to Doherty. Um, I I remember, I kind of felt like a full-blown misfit in Worcester. I (laughs) kind of feel like... um, I didn't really know where my place was, and although there were a ton of things I really loved and appreciated, um, there was nothing I loved more than what was happening in the music scene there. That's really where I felt like I belonged, and I felt like that's where I found my place. And I, I felt so fortunate because I met people 
who were really helpful to me and to my sister and to my friends. Um, and mostly, I would say, people like Brian Goslow and Mark Lynch and um, and a woman, Joanne Robichaud, who was an older sister to my friend Judy, who was, she was so great. And, and all of those people really helped. Um, I feel like they really helped me find a place where I could be myself. Um, but there were so many other people too, like the Severance family. All of the kids in that family were playing in bands and um, and the Gear family, who two of those brothers were in the performers. There were there was cool music stuff that was happening. Now was there a um, physical space where you would all go play or go see music? You know, so there wasn't. So there there it seemed like almost everything that was happening was happening at Ralph's and I was too young to get into Ralph's <laughs> but um I do remember sneaking in a few times and having the time of my life <laughs> and um and Eugene Severance and his older brother Jamie Severance they would they lived in houses where sometimes they'd have parties and bands would play in the basement. And so sometimes we could see just a lot of local bands play there. And then when Exit 13 opened, which I think was right near Vernon Square. Um, is that right? Is it Vernon Square where Exit 13 was? Um, I don't know Exit 13. And I'm a Doherty grad too, but I'm 05. So I came later. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I love that you went to Doherty. Forest Grove, um, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> um, so, Exit 13 was this punk rock venue that opened up. I, I don't remember what year it was, but I feel like it might have been 1981 or two. Maybe 19... 19- yeah, it was 81 or 82. And they, the first band they had play at Exit 13 was this hardcore band Flipper from Southern California. And that was a huge deal. So they had punk bands, national, international, and local bands play there. Wow. And I... I was so lucky because the people who worked the door just let us in. And I know that that's not right. But I have to tell you, I went to so many shows there and I never drank. I never did anything I wasn't supposed to do. But I saw a million great shows. So I had to sneak in, but that's where I would go. And I saw a ton of great music. I also saw some great shows at the um, what was then called EM Lowe's. They had, uh, like, I remember seeing some, like, Boston hardcore bands playing there. Um, I saw the Plasmatics play there. That was one of the first, like, big shows I went to as a kid. There was some cool stuff that came through. There wasn't a lot that came through, but every once in a while there was some cool stuff. So how did you get from here to Seattle? Well, I feel like I, I lucked out because when, when I was in Worcester, um, Brian Goslow and Mark Lynch and Joanne Robichaud opened the radio door for me. So Brian Goslow let us hang out at WCW where he had, he did a lot of, um, I feel like he had a couple of different radio shows Um, that he did back then and Mark Lynch was I believe he was the program director at WICN and then Mark gave my friend Judy my sister Mara and I a show and so we did we had a late night like 12 midnight to 3 a.m shift and how old were you um, I was in high school that's awesome yeah, I think we started, shit, I think I was a sophomore in high school um, when we did that. And it was on Friday nights. So, 
you know, we could kind of sleep late on Saturday, but that was like, everything revolved around that radio show. Um, And and I think the first shift we got was from 3 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. But it was so much fun and and it it exposed me to all the new records that were coming out so i could stay current on music and i felt like i was doing something that probably kept me out of trouble and in it honestly it just gave me life like it just made me happy so um so i did that for a bit when i went to college i stopped doing radio and i really just tried to study but i met and knew a lot of people who were musicians just in local bands and on the weekends I, I or during the week I would always try to get my schoolwork done so that on the weekends I could just hang out with my friends who were just punk rock people um, so I would either run around Boston with them or I would go to shows with them and try to sell um, t-shirts or hang on one sec I have two cute dogs who just ran into my office <laughs> Sorry. I also Uh, have a cute friend who just ran into my office, too, so I hope you don't mind. Molly O'Connor has just joined us. She's my co-host for the podcast. Oh, I love it. Hello. It's nice to meet you. You, too. I'm so excited. But but I would try to, like, sell T-shirts or merch or, you know, whatever records. Um, I, I just tried to always have a job. And then... I was lucky because after college, I um, I actually bought a one-way ticket to Berlin, and so I went to Germany. And with, <laughs> I, I know I had no plan. I had no way to make money, but I was determined to make it work. And I got a call from a band who is still a band, Dinosaur Jr., <sighs> <laughs> and their, their, their roadie um, fell in love the first night of their tour, and he jumped off the tour, and they needed somebody to fill in. So, um, so I took the train from Berlin to Amsterdam, and I went on the tour with them, and it was so much fun, and it worked out so well that, um, that later in the year, they asked me to do the U.S. tour with them. And so I did that, and during that tour, I stopped in Seattle, and I met the the two people who had just started Sub Pop Records, and and I chatted with them, and I totally fell in love with Seattle, and I said, I don't know where I'm going next, but I love this city, and I maybe I'll come out here. And they said, Well, let us know if you do. And so after the tour. I worked, I saved my money, and I moved out to Seattle. And weirdly, this coming September, that will have been 30 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was certainly an exciting time, right, for Seattle? Oh, yeah, it was super <laughs> exciting. Because in on the East Coast at that time, there was a massive recession. And so everything was shutting down, and I'd never seen that before on the East Coast. And out here, it was the opposite. There were cranes in the sky, and the city was slowly building up. And it felt like there was... There were so many exciting things happening. There was great music. There was opportunity. And it felt different from the East Coast because um, I think, at least for me, I had, I feel like there were expectations that I placed on myself on the East Coast. And when I was here, I didn't feel those. I felt a little bit more freedom to do what I wanted to do and not what I thought I was supposed to do. So, so it was easier to, to just lose myself in music and not become a school teacher, which is what I thought my, my, my future held. It's funny you say that because Molly and I are both school teachers. So we're actually in between periods right now. Don't tell our boss, but her first boss was your mom. You're kidding me. Yes. She worked for your mom at Adam street school. Yep. 
oh my god mm-hmm. my mother is gonna lose her mind when i tell her this <laughs> well, i saw her at a consignment store a while back and she told me so many beautiful stories about when our boss is like a young first year teacher you know and just finding her way yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> That's incredible. Such a small world. I know. But we are curious it, about the progression of your career and what some of the defining moments are. And I know you started at the front desk, right? As the receptionist. Yeah. And even before that, I was an intern. Um, I interned and I just mailed out whatever needed to get done. So mostly it was like radio like promotional LPs to radio stations. And and then Bruce and John, Sub Pop's owners, um, asked me if I was good with phones. And I just said, you know, you don't say no, because I don't <laughs> know why they're asking. So I said, yes. I knew I was good at talking on the phone. So, because um, I did a lot of that when I was in Worcester. Mm-hmm. So, um, So I said yes, and then I became the receptionist. And I will tell you to this day, that was, that will maybe be the best job I have ever had. (laughs) I I love my job now, but back then, before like emails and texting and when you had to use the phone, it was really like it was all about traffic control and everybody who needed anything or had questions or whatever, like you had to call. And so to be the person receiving all of these phone calls was, was really interesting. And it taught me really quickly how the business worked because I was, I had to, part of my time I had to solve problems because there wasn't enough, um, you know, people, people need shit. So you take care of it whether it's having a question answered or whether it's getting something mailed out that they need in order for them to do their jobs or whether they need to just talk to somebody who can help them figure out when they're going to record their record or whatever it is. So I learned a lot about how the business worked. And then, um, and then some of my absolute heroes would call sometimes and I would just be blown the fuck away I bet. because <laughs> like Nick Cave called once and I just remember going like holy shit <laughs> fucking Nick Cave is on the phone asking me questions like I couldn't believe it um, and back then it was totally normal that you know it's like the Mud Honey guys were popping in all the time the Nirvana guys were popping in all the time the um Pearl Jam guys who were in a band, Mother Love Bone, they would come up and just grab new records that came out. So it was such a small music community and everyone was so tight. And being at the front desk, you're controlling the traffic of, you know, people coming in and phone calls coming in. And that, I know it, that's, that will always be a defining time in my life because I met incredible people and that was um it was a great lesson as to how that business ran and I'm so grateful for it I loved it now Um, I know you pulled an infamous prank on the New York Times while you were doing that job can you give us a little overview of that Yes. So that was, um, so that was shortly after I left Sub Pop. Um, so the business wasn't doing great. The, one of the great things about Sub Pop's history is it's extreme stories of ups and downs financial, financially. Mm-hmm. But during one of the downtimes, I lost my job. And uh, anyway, but I didn't lose my friendships or my relationships with anybody. And Um, And Jonathan called me one morning and said, someone from the New York Times is looking for information on Seattle and they want to talk about like words that we use. And I don't have time for this. And I think you'll have way more fun than me. And (laughs) and so I thought, I wonder if they really call. And sure enough, like a half an hour later, my phone rang and it was a writer from the New York Times and he told me that they were doing a huge piece on grunge and 
and that they wanted to include a lexicon of grunge. And this was also at a time when there was such an intense spotlight on Seattle and its music scene, and everything was blowing up to a degree that felt crazy. So Mark Jacobs had come up with the grunge collection. It was on the front cover of Vogue. Um, There were um, people wearing plaid and torn up clothes like on mannequins in every department store people like people that looked like they didn't know like who nirvana might be (laughs) were wearing nirvana shirts i mean it was just fucking bizarre so um so this writer asks me if i can share the lexicon and i was a little bit stumped because there isn't a lexicon but I started randomly jotting shit down, and um, and they, by shit I mean words that rhymed or <laughs> words that phrases that just sounded stupid or things that I knew um, might be a fun joke. And and so I said to him, just to buy a little bit of time, why don't you give me a word and I'll give you the grunge translation. <laughs> and so he started off with um, like. Uh, clothing articles so he said um, boots and I said kickers and I figured (laughs) I'll just start and make it sound um, believable (laughs) and and then as anyway as the words progressed I just tried to get more absurd with my answers but he never caught on and I thought he would just start laughing at one point and he never did he just believed it all and then yeah, and it was so awkward. So I, after our call, I was like, God, that's so weird. He was so busy typing. He, I think he didn't listen to anything I was saying. <laughs> and and then we hung up, and maybe two months later or a month later, my mom called me up and said, holy shit, have you seen the paper today? And <laughs> I was like, no. And she said, you're in it. Go get it. So I I ran down and sure enough there was a huge thing on grunge including the fucking lexicon oh my god God. yeah i love it and it's a time before the internet was rampant you know you can't fact check certain things yeah it's so funny and i kept thinking that somebody would just fact check or that someone else would be reading it and say oh come on this is bullshit <laughs> mm-hmm. but that never happened right at some point mm-hmm. an editor along the way you know you establish yeah. that credibility with kickers right away and so you're good to go right <laughs> exactly and it's, yeah, a little it's <laughs> yeah it's funny too now because the internet is the internet and like i had seen that reblogged on tumblr and posted on all yeah, these buzzfeed did a yeah. piece and i had no idea sarah just brought that up and i was like that was her yeah which is very exciting <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. You know what? it's like legendary you, will, you are funny the thing that you guys will appreciate the most is one of the things that went through my head because my mom spent her entire career as a teacher ever everyone in my family has been a teacher um I thought, oh, Jesus, she's going to be so pissed that I fucking lied, especially to a journalist. And she was so proud and that she was happy and proud that I lied made me so happy because I was like, oh, shit, she might be super disappointed. But um, but thankfully she wasn't. You were exhibiting higher level thinking. That's right. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. She was like very creative. Absolutely. <laughs> So how did you land in the role where you are now? And does that Seattle sound still exist? Um, So I would say I landed in the role I'm in now because um, I, you know, I feel like I've been fortunate. I also feel like I like to work hard and I like to um, find solutions for problems. I love problem solving. And and I like people and I love being around musicians and creative coworkers. So I feel, I feel like I was fortunate and I found a good place where I could do all of those things. And I was lucky enough to, um, find a place where we, 
we promote from within and bring people up. And so it, it provides a really interesting, fun experience where you learn so much. Um, and so that's my good fortune. And then um, I would say there is always a Seattle sound and it's always evolving and it's always becoming more and more interesting and weird. And, um, and I don't think that will ever stop. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Molly. Yeah. Do you have any more questions before I we wrap have up? One kind of funny question that's like me being sort of a dork. Um, that's okay. But I'm, it's, I'm it's a dork, about the label so idea, right? My language. It's about the label, the whole. So you guys have like very like traditional musicians, like Father John Misty on the label, right? Stuff people like yes. that. Um, and yeah. then you also have people like Flight of the Concords who are more they're the comedy. Is there like a difference in the approach to the way they're represented? I love that question. There is. Um, And interestingly, it doesn't always have much to do with the genre as much as it has to do with the artist. Uh So so for someone like Josh Tillman, who's (laughs) Father John Misty, um, there are times when Josh will sit with us and before a record cycle, he'll say, I'm down for anything. Any interview, any opportunity, any weird curveball, I am... He just did a I'm, bit part in a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. He's had movie roles. Yeah. I mean, he really, like, he says yes. But there are also times when he'll say, like, on the last record cycle, he said, I feel like I need to manage my time a little more mindfully. Mm-hmm. And so he can't say yes to everything. And so we become a lot more strategic with... um what we chase and how we use his time so so we do what works for each artist um, uh, an artist like flight of the concords is an even more extreme version of that so <laughs> yeah. brett and jermaine they are they're so great and they're so personable <laughs> mm-hmm. they're also like jermaine's kind of shy and they're both they don't care about fame or success they care about their families and they care about their experience and so they are going to be so picky about um what they spend their time doing and so how we put their music into the world and and the opportunities that we try to secure for them it's just different so we're constantly trying to figure out what will have the most maximum impact in a positive way for for them and their art and it is wildly different from artist to artist but that's also what makes it super fun because you get to know these people in such a personal way and and together we figure out how to navigate all of this craziness so that it's actually manageable and so that they can build and develop careers that will hopefully have really strong legs and carry them for a long time it, it sounds like the type of place that an artist would seek out and want to work, like work with, work at. I don't know. Yeah, we we try we try really hard to be that. Sorry, we're being interrupted by the intercom. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> well, yes, thank you so much, and thank you for coming back to Worcester again and again. Your mom is the, the best dressed woman in the city. You you are so awesome to say that. She's going to love hearing that. And I would say, you know, sometime when I come back, I would love to pull. I feel like I've met recently these incredible women who are doing awesome things in the city. I would love to get together and just hear what people are doing. I It, it has blown me away. Um to just see what's happening there and it makes me feel so happy and it makes me feel proud to be from Worcester you guys are doing so much heavy lifting and it's fucking awesome thank you so much that really means the world (laughs) I know we're excited too Mm -hmm. yeah there's cool stuff well I am off to Brimfield this afternoon Um, I know I'm excited (laughs) how is Provincetown it fucking ruled it was so fun And um, I met a guy from Worcester, a Doherty graduate. Um, He has a shop called Timscapes. And 
he makes art out of like he started doing it out of duct tape oh i've been there yeah cool i didn't know he was from worcester i bought a shirt there last summer you need to pop in there and meet him (laughs) his name is tim he's a darty graduate and he he's amazing Uh, he made me feel so worcester proud i was like oh my god i love him so introduce yourself i will i absolutely will well (laughs) have a wonderful afternoon and um next time you're in town we'll make sure to connect oh my god i would love that you guys it was so nice chatting with (laughs) you thank you so much yeah it's very exciting (laughs) have a blast enjoy brimfield and keep doing so many good things you guys you're awesome thank Thank you. you bye megan bye see ya Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com. I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. We, oh, I was going to say we're live at the AC Hotel. We are. In Worcester. Yeah, we're, I know. Thank you, AC Hotel, for yes. welcoming, welcoming us today. Um, we're so used to our regular, like, this week. I know. Uh, right. We have well, a special day today. It is very special. We're here with Jenny Pasillo, who is Worcester's best server of 2018 and 2019. <laughs> pretty impressive and uh we're talking wrestlemania hospitality motherhood everything so welcome jenny thank you so much for having me we're very excited um i just saw you two weeks ago about a week ago two weeks ago oh yes at worcester celebrity karaoke and we both sang and it it was funny because i got there and i think i was on like an hour later in the same hour sean connelly who i made who i made my like informal timekeeper I was like, when are we on? Because <laughs> I was so nervous I was going to miss it. But you sang Ba Wa Da Ba. I did. By Kid Rock. Yes. It was incredible. Thank You're you. very pregnant. Thank you. I and am very Our pregnant. audience can't see. But no, but that's what, like, that added to the... It makes it. It made the whole thing. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no one can follow this. <laughs> like, this is over. Yeah. It was chosen. The songs were chosen. We gave options, and then the audience ended up choosing. What were your other options for your songs? How did you come up with them? Um, my other, well, my number one karaoke song that I always do is Buck Cherry, <laughs> Crazy Bee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a classic. It is classic song. <laughs> Absolutely. And there, I had emailed Megan, and I was like, "Hey, like, it's your call, like, whatever. Like, if you want me to sing this song or not, like, I'll add it to my list." Yeah. And when I got there, she was like. Me and my husband talked about it, and he was, like, really... He was in a punk band. Like, I guess he was, like, a really crazy guy. And she was like, he said this song can't be done in public. And I was like, no, it's okay, because I regretted it. Yeah, fair enough. It wasn't the right crowd. Were there, like, small children at Nick's that night, or...? It was, like, a fancier vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was It was, It was. was very, very crowded. Yes. And it was right. It was people who, like, were spending money on this... Chair on this fundraiser. Yeah, it was a really cool cause. A lot of like school committee members. Gotcha. Yes. So I don't know how much they would have liked that. They can't handle the buck cherry. <laughs> they can't. It's not the right place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you give any other, were there any other options that you ended up? I had break stuff by Limp Biscuit. I was going like a very aggressive That's route. A very specific vibe. Yes. Like I had a tone that yeah. I wanted to set because I thought it was funny. And then like after I did it, I was like, why did I? say these songs they're gross. so gross <laughs> gross is such a good way to do, put that like I feel like cause, like the Fred Durst Kid Rock like era was such like an odd like time right mm-hmm. it was like gross so but gross. fun so, yeah like fun but like I feel like the language people used back then was extremely different than now so like you hear these songs and you're like I can't believe this is on the radio yeah it was like vulgar but in like a I mean, a gross way. A like not like in a way. yeah, like in, <laughs> and it was like too much. Like the like the euphemisms were like spot on, like spot on, but also just like right, like they were on the nose. over the top, too yeah. on the nose. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say but, idioms um, until no. you settle on one. Yeah, keep going. The sharpest tool in the shed. No, I'm just kidding. When pigs fly, when um, Irish eyes no. are smiling. Was that no? I don't think that's an idiom. <laughs> uh, but no, I just I thought that I really liked the. 
the contrast that you said, though, of, like, the really aggressive, like, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, why not? You have, like, your very cute haircut and, like, your pregnant belly. Yes. Well, you're always full of surprises. And one thing that cracks me up is your propensity for wrestling. Um, yes. Have you always loved wrestling? Um, you know, like, I liked it when I was a kid and I was into it in the 90s. And then I kind of just, like, stopped watching. But I got super back into it. That's what happened to me. Yeah. America's greatest soap opera. 100%. Absolutely. Longest running. Like, never yeah. stops. Yeah, I just like the drama. Like, I like all the, like, the fights and, like, the beef between people, like, the friendships that break up. And then it's, like, violent but not too violent. Yeah. Do you have a current, like, favorite storyline or person? Uh, I'm really into Daniel Bryan. I like Daniel Bryan a lot. He's so cute. Daniel Bryan, for people who don't know, is... His, his, like, catchphrase, his line is yes. He's a positive, like... He's just very... He's very lovable. The... The kids love him, too. Yeah. Yes. yes. My daughter will do it. I have a yeah. Daniel. Well, I like many t-shirts, yeah. but I have like a Daniel Bryant t-shirt. And when I wear it, she'll go, yes, yeah. yes. Oh. He's what's called a face. But he's turned he heel. Turn. He oh, turned. He? Oh, see, I missed that. You so. got to watch. Can you I give do. me a rundown, like yeah, a little like, glossary of uh, wrestling wow. terms? So face is like someone that you like. John Cena is a face. Like everyone loves him. Although he's like a complicated face. But, like, Daniel Bryan used to be a face, and then he turned heel, so he was like, everyone consumes too much, and you're killing the planet, and he has this, like, real, like, like um, extreme vibe now. Ooh. Yes, it's yeah, awesome. I gotta, I gotta get back in. So, right, a face is, like, it's not even just that everyone loves him, but it's that, like, he, they're specifically, like, positioned for yes. people to by the like writers so there's a writer's room for this whole thing yes Freddie Prince Jr. briefly wrote for the WWE (laughs) yeah (laughs) he did pre or post 1999 oh at post oh wow like I think yeah and it was like it was like a fairly consistent like he would get involved every once in a while yeah it's fascinating but then right you have someone who's a heel and people make turn they go Mm -hmm. sometimes people go back and forth but a heel is positioned as the the antagonist, basically. Yeah, they're like the jerk. You know, they come yeah. out and they're like, push an old lady down yeah. or like rip a kid's sign. You know, and everyone's like, and, we hate you. Right. And sometimes those are the people that everyone really loves, though, are yeah. the heels. Like, sometimes those are the most exciting personalities. I was struck by the crowd engagement. My fiance was watching WrestleMania <laughs> whenever, you know, and I was like doing my work and I look up and I'm like, man, I didn't know you're a big time wrestling fan. Uh, he's into it. But I couldn't believe that everyone knew the words for everyone that came out. When you go see oh, it yeah. live, are yes. you one of these engaged fans? Yes. I'm like a crazy person. It's because it's so, I feel like when you're there, it's so, it's so energetic, like regardless, like, because we go to wrestling we do like Beyond Wrestling, which is like kind of a local like indie wrestling that's going on right now. And it's the same exact thing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And you see that even in like, we love the show Glow. Um, yes, Glow is Netflix. good. We love Glow. And you can see that even there, like where they had the smaller audiences, but it would be like people get attached to these characters, right? Yes. So like a good example would be that Betty um, is the... Liberty Bell, she's a face, right? And then Zoya, Zoya is the heel, and, mm-hmm. but people love Zoya because she's positioned as like the more as the antagonist, and they want to see her come out and like yell things in her goofy Russian accent. Um, right. And so that is very true to like how wrestling. I mean, it, it, I guess was in the actual gorgeous ladies of wrestling, but yeah, just in general, kind of how it goes. It's That's very cool. fun. Did you have a favorite wrestler as a kid? I would say Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably, which I know is like Classic. everyone's favorite, but like I just like his attitude. Yeah, I came from a Bret Hart family. Whoa. We were very into, oh yeah, we were very into, um, yeah, like Whoa, the Hart Foundation. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Poor Owen. Oh, I know. Well, tragedy just has befallen like that whole yes. crew. Yeah. So was this like in that Adam Sandler movie where there was a terrible accident that was not supposed to happen on live television? Yes. Do you know what I'm That's talking exactly about? exactly what happened. I think it's a sailor movie. Yeah. Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, one of them, but they find out that the principal of the school had a previous career. Yes. Oh, it must be Billy Madison. (laughs) He was a wrestler, and then a terrible thing happened in the ring, and somebody died. School principal. Yeah. So yeah, Owen um, Bret Hart's brother was like coming down on a like an aerial, whatever from the ceiling, and it just broke in front of like children and oh yeah. 
But it was like in between matches. So it was a pay-per-view, so there was a delay. So I don't think people in the audience really knew. Right. Yeah, it was. Exactly what was going on. But like the rumor is like there is footage of it that's like locked away in the archives. It says, never watch, never destroy. Oh, wow. Man. That's that's (laughs) cryptic. Dark. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There is like a few matches like that. I mean, talk about gross, though, like, to tie it in with, like, Kid Rock and Fred Durst. Like, that whole, like, time period was just gross and crazy. Yeah, Steve Austin would, like, come out and just, like, drink five beers. He's so sick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. But he's great. And he's, like, a... And it's so... Something that... There's a concept called kayfabe, which is the idea that, like, what's the relationship of the audience to the wrestlers as characters, but then they are actual people. A totally normal. What's up? Yeah, yeah. and Steve Austin, just, he has a podcast, I think. Yeah, he does. And he's like a really cool guy. He's so cool. Yeah. He's like hot. Like I know he's like <laughs> probably in his 50s, but yes. like I'm down. I'm curious about <laughs> women of wrestling. We yes. mentioned that we love Glow, but are there some favorite female wrestlers who have made inroads? And have you seen the dynamic change as far as women go in the WWE? Yeah, that is such a good question. I feel like it has changed a lot. Like in the 90s, it would just be like strip matches and like we're going to wrestle in mud today. Oh, Sable. But she's so beautiful, though. Yeah, but her. still, like, she can't really wrestle. Was she, no. like, a sexual object? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, she's married to Brock Lesnar. Yes, who's a, who's a former UFC, UFC yeah. champion who transitioned into wrestling. And that's happening more and more, right? Is that part of the reason yeah. women are being yeah. taken seriously? I don't know. That's a good question, because Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins came out publicly as dating, which was, like, the best news. I know. Those are, like, my two favorites. Me, too. I know. They're so attractive and, like, awesome. I mean, Ronda. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so interesting. So, they just recently had that main event, right, where it was, like, Charlotte, who's a dynasty, like, she, and she's great. She's She is so athletic. She's Ric Flair's daughter. Um, but Woo! she really, yes, yes. <laughs> she really came up like everyone knew that she was Ric Flair's daughter. And then she was like, I'm also really, really good at this. Yeah. She's a great wrestler. And then Ronda Rousey, who, who is a champion UFC fighter, like unstoppable. Um, and then Becky Lynch. So it was the three of them. Becky Lynch is an Irish girl who really like worked her way. Yeah, she like, totally she came did. Up and she would appear on the regular WWE and then go back down to the NXT like <laughs> developmental. Yes. yes. And so she really worked her way up and really developed a relationship awesome. to the audience. Were you rooting for anyone in particular in that match? Becky Lynch. I, I like turned too. on Ra- Ronda. I was into it when she first joined the WWE and then I was like I'm so sick of this woman. She also kind of co-opted Rowdy Roddy Piper's yeah. thing which I was uncomfortable with. She now calls herself like Ro- Rowdy Ronda. And so I think people were kind of turned off by that. Yeah. Um, But it is, it's really exciting because it is, like Sarah mentioned, they are seen as more legitimate. Do you notice that even just with the audience response? Totally. And there's so much more, like, like Charlotte is so athletic. Like, the things that they can do now that they wouldn't have done, like, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I feel like it's crazy. Do you think that any of that has to do with Steph McMahon coming in as, like, the chief brand officer? And I don't know. Or is it just a natural... I feel like it's so hard to say. I feel like Triple H like really cares, which might be like a dumb thing I to say, right. but I think <laughs> so, he loves like NXT yeah. and, you yeah. know. Triple H is a, like a legendary wrestler who ended up marrying Vince McMahon's daughter, Stephanie, yeah. who also in her own right is business-wise at least. She's on screen a lot and she's funny. She's, she she cracks funny. me up when she comes out. But yeah, so the two of them do a lot of they're like the villains and but they also are in charge, basically. Yeah, they're running it with... Well, I mean, Vince McMahon runs everything, right. but, but they're next. They're sort of the like the faces now of it. Yeah, like so. you don't see McMahon too often. Although he's been coming out lately. Yeah. McMahon, Vince McMahon is like the queen. And Steph and Triple <laughs> H are like William and Harry. Yes. And yeah, they're like they're the, the face. Yeah, they're the faces mm-hmm. now of it. But I, I wondered if like if she had really enough say to like be like I want to move into this or it just was a na- it seems like a natural progression it does seem natural because you figure like Vince McMahon like his dad was like a wrestling promoter and it's like a family dynasty they're so lucky 
<laughs> so I wanted to ask about your family, and I think Molly mentioned this, but one of the beautiful things about you that's so endearing, Jenny, is the contrast, right? Like, you love Kid Rock, but then you're the best mom ever, you know? You know all about wrestling, but you're such a sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you so much. And so I want to hear more about what it's like to enter motherhood and um, and how you're raising your kid to be a number one wrestling fan. <laughs> it's, I mean, she is, like, this is, this is actually very true. Like, I had just finished grad school school and I got pregnant like two months later which is why I don't use my master's degree but uh, what did you study I have a a master of arts in teaching from Clark so I should be teaching yeah you can come join us once your little ones are on their own yeah (laughs) I'll get a real job but I was trying to watch every single raw and pay-per-view from 1998 to modern day during this time and I got pregnant and like you know I was waitressing but I would still be home a lot like and so I feel like in my daughter Clementine, she's just ingrained. Like she's a psycho. Like she's crazy. <laughs> because all I did was watch wrestling. I would watch wrestling like five hours a day. Like a crazy person. How old is she? She just turned two. So I like. Oh, she's like in it. She's in it. Like oh, yeah. she knows like Daniel Bryan. Like we don't let her like stay up late and watch wrestling. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, she'll catch the beginning of Raw. Like if it's not, it's not like super violent now, but. What was the most surprising thing when you first had Clementine about being a mom? It's like, I thought it was super weird the whole time. Like even when I was pregnant, I was like, this is just like, doesn't feel real. Cause you're like, you know, it's real and you know what's happening. But then you're just like, you live your life, your whole life. It's just you. And then you're like, oh my God, now I have like this baby. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've had a dog and stuff, so, like, I could take care of things. But you didn't, but... like, make the dog. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, like, really weird. And everyone's just, like, in your face about it, which is, like, fine, but weird, too. And you're just, like, what do you do? That's, like, <laughs> that's refreshing, though. I feel like people are, like, it's so natural. and But you're just, like, whoa, like, hold on. 100 percent and then you're on instagram it's all these women that are just like oh my god here's this picture of me like breastfeeding i look beautiful and i'm like um i'm like in sweatpants for a week straight and i'm disgusting like what am i doing wrong last week we spoke to ari from sparkle and she said that birch tree is the best place to um, breastfeed in public do you have a favorite place oh that's you honestly i hated breastfeeding like i did it because it's free and I want to lose weight and I know it's like best for baby but like <laughs> birch tree definitely is the best place to go wow. with a kid in general because it's loud and they can like run in that little pit in the center yeah. and you can just like enjoy yourself for five minutes yeah and they're nice no I'm curious too do you have any pregnant cravings this time around, excuse me, I was really into like quesadillas for some reason. Just of any kind? Any kind. Like I'll eat whatever quesadilla you put in front of me. And at work, they would always make fun of me because we get like staff meal at the end of the night at Joey's. And I'd always be like, just quesadillas? Like just toss me a quesadilla. Like how hard is it to make a cheese quesadilla? Just make one. And But I would never say that because they're really <laughs> nice there. But yeah, but everyone just got so sick of quesadillas. Joey's is so good. I'm not even just saying that. Like, I used to go there before I got hired. So what is it like to work at Joey's and be the supreme server? (laughs) Um, We are all equal at Joey's, and all the girls are great. You know, I just feel like I can't... Well, no one there campaigned. I don't think anyone campaigns for the best of except me. And so that's probably why I won. (laughs) That's a very me thing to do. Can you talk about your campaign strategy? Yep, I use my daughter to try to get votes because she's like tiny and cute. But you obviously have a good sense for hospitality. Uh, What makes Joey's different than other restaurants? Um, I think at Joey's, like they genuinely care about their customers. Like we have so many customers that all the waitresses and bartenders have become friends with, like real friends. It's really cool. So like, you know, if you come in and you're having a bad day, like the waitresses, everyone cares like genuinely. And the food is really good. What's your favorite thing on the menu? Yes. Probably the salmon. I always get this. Yeah, Atlantic salmon. So it's in a chili glaze, (laughs) which is good. Like, not too spicy, but like a little spicy. 
Do you have any advice for aspiring servers? <laughs> uh, don't get college degrees if you're just going to waitress because you can never pay your student loan debt. Um, no, I mean, like, it's a cool job. I like it. It works for us because I can stay home, you know, yeah. all day. And then you just kind of go and make money and leave, which is cool. And you meet a lot of nice people. That's what I loved is that at the end of the night, I do my side work and it was done, you know, yeah. in my day job. Things no lesson plans. Yeah, you're just like done. But I will say, too, that serving opened up all these professional doors for me. So I'm glad you got your degree. And I'm sure that one of those customers someday is an excellent principal and will be like, your kids are grown now. Do you want to be a teacher at my school? Yeah, put your apron down. Is that still what you want to do, though? Because there are people that love the hospitality industry. Um, You know what? I do love it a lot. Like, But it would be nice to have, like, health insurance. Like, not to, you know, it's just how it is, but benefits we um wanted to hear just about what the future holds for you what are your next steps when are you due wednesday so i have (laughs) i was was like what if she's like in labor on saturday i know well you know it's funny like even when we did the karaoke at nick's i was like it'd be so funny if like i just went into labor on stage like just do it absolutely yeah wednesday i go in for a plan c section so i have three three days and then that's that, you know? Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It's a boy. It's a boy. That's exciting. Yeah, my daughter thinks his name is John Cena because, <laughs> like, our families, when I was pregnant with her, they'd always be like, what's the baby's name? And people just, like, hassle you so much when you're pregnant. It's, like, the worst thing. So with her, I knew everyone was going to ask her instead of, you know, me and her dad. So I kept saying, it's John Cena is your baby brother. And John Cena's in my tummy. Oh, <laughs> so she truly believes her baby brother's name is John Cena. Do you have a name picked out? I do. I have a name. When is this airing? (laughs) Um, Probably two weeks from now. Okay, so the name we have picked out is Bixby and the middle name is Olmstead. That's cool. Kind of different. It had to fit with Clementine. Like, that's the hard part. a great name. Where did you, did you guys just, like, love the name Clementine? No, I had, like, crazy names. Yeah. Like, I was, like, off the deep end. I really wanted Birdie. <laughs> I love I the like name Birdie. Pre-Daniel Bryan and Rebella Birdie, because we were due, like, the same day. Busy Phillips has a daughter named Birdie. Yeah. She's, like, 10 years old now. Such a cute name. Really wanted Birdie or Poppy or, like... I don't think these names are that crazy. I like yeah, them. He's a brat about it. He's like, everything is a fruit or vegetable with you. But, like... <laughs> or an animal. Yeah, like, who cares? I think it's really cute. It's kind of fun. Yeah, but um, I like the name Clementine a lot. I think Ethan Hawke has a daughter named Clementine. Oh, with Uma? No, with um, the nanny that he married later. (laughs) He and Uma were were separated. His daughter (laughs) with Uma is Maya. They have a son named Levon, which is one of my favorite names ever. Oh, I love Levon. My favorite Elton John song, yeah. But then he has two children with his second wife. Well, I'm glad that you brought up some pop culture because on this show we like to talk about professional culture, we like to talk about local culture, and we love to talk about pop culture. I mean, we cover a lot of it with the wrestling. True. true. But I have a couple topical questions based on the things that have been going on lately. Um, the first one is about Taylor Swift, who I I do love. You know, you know, she has her moments where she gets on my nerves, and I think that's fair of like of anyone's like fave, right? Like your problematic fave. It's always just for me, like a is she being genuine right now? I think that's a lot of people's. I think a lot of people have that though, like with her, right? She had a moment of vulnerability this week mm. with Ellen, and I appreciated that. Uh, this comes from Allie Hart's Heartbeat newsletter. Yes. Uh, Allie works at the State House. She's a She's friend awesome. of ours, and she keeps us in the loop with all of her pop culture. Pop superstar Taylor Swift admitted on Ellen this week that she thinks shaving cream is the same as body soap. Ellen asked whether or not Swift washes her legs in the shower, and her response was weirder than the question. I do, because when you shave your legs, the shaving cream is like soap, right? Is it? So this actually, Ellen did not, that was a huge debate last week on Twitter. So Ellen basically took this, like there was a whole phenomenon late last week on Twitter about wash, leg washing essentially. <laughs> I saw and that. So she, yeah, so she pulled it from that. I was wondering how it came up in conversation. I have to say when I was younger, 
I was like, yeah, same thing. I grew up, though, and was like, it's not. <laughs> oh, see, I'm still sitting here thinking, like, yeah, that's the same thing. I kind of am, too. Yeah, mm. I mean, I don't think... Plus, you're, like, shaving with a razor blade all the grime off of you. Right, there has to be some kind of, like, exfoliating factor to that, right? There mm-hmm. was actually, um, on this show, You're the Worst. It's a, it's a c- kind of couples comedy, dark comedy on FX. It's very funny, but there was an episode once where the lead character... Uh, the, like the woman lead character was like I'm going to take a shower and it's going to take extra long because I'm washing my legs today mm-hmm. and Jimmy her boyfriend was like what do you not normally wash your legs and I was like huh no I mean the shampoo like runs down sorry am I <laughs> no I'm with you on I wasn't going to but yeah like everything kind of so, runs down it was not, really, like giving it a good scrub it was really interesting this whole debate on Twitter had a, a huge racial component and it was a lot of white people were saying no I don't always wash my legs I don't you know like you were saying with the shampoo it was fascinating and um, a lot of black people on Twitter were like you use a washcloth you use you wash every single part of your body it was a very it was a very Ooh. interesting and it and what it came down to was the perception that black people have had in the United States for a long time of like being dirty or other wow and then yeah it was really really interesting sort of socially yeah it was it was a fascinating conversation and i think it got a lot of people thinking about just like perception and you know that kind of thing so huh. there's much more new nu- nuance to this than i yes. uh, me too um, i heard a part to just bring it back to taylor for a second get a little lighter um i heard a part of her conversation with ellen which i thought was really funny she was talking about how she sleep eats Mm-hmm. And she gets up. She's like, I get up in the middle of the night and I like go rummage through the fridge. And then there's just like a mess in the kitchen. And I go back to bed and she said, I go downstairs and it's like it was me or these cats. <laughs> and I just I thought that was very funny. If you were to sleep eat, what would you sleep eat? Cheez-Its. Ooh, oh. that was like. <laughs> That's a good that one. So easy because you're not going to want to scoop ice cream. I know, but ice cream would be, like, such a good one to sleep eat, right? Mm-hmm. Cheez-Its is really good. I think I would do, like, Funyuns. That's my, like, that's my, like, gross favorite snack. What do you think, yeah. Jenny? Would it be quesadillas right now? <laughs> if I could just, like, leave them out for me, like Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would I would sleep eat, honestly, anything I could probably get my hands on. At this point, right? Yeah, right. in general. Yeah. Okay, I've got one more. A Milwaukee radio station has banned music by Drake until the NBA Eastern Conference final series between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors concludes. Uh, Drake, Toronto's most famous rapper and huge Raptors fan, usually plays on the station often. Kiss 103.7 tweeted, Major announcement until the Bucks beat the Raptors. We are hereby taking a break from all Drake music. We love us some Drake, but right now we love the Bucks more. Um... This is clearly a superstition. Are you a superstitious person? Do you have anything like crazy? When I was a swimmer, I would always wear the same outfit to the important meets, use the same nail polish, braid my hair the same way. Do you have any superstitions? You know what? I used to be so into the Red Sox like pre like 2005. I would say from 1995 to 2005 when it was real rough. I'd like call, excuse me, sports radio. You did. I was like crazy. First time, long time. Yeah, exactly. Jenny from Wista. Yeah. But I feel like back then I would do stuff like that. Like, I wore this t-shirt. You know, they won last night. I think that era in New England was like, for Red Sox fans, was very much... I don't think you were alone in that. It was so different. Yeah. I can't believe we had our own, like, Tommy from Quincy the whole time. Jenny from Wista. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on, like, the Winer line, which was on WEI. You could call and leave a message, and it would just be like, yo, Francona, get new glasses. (laughs) People had, like, the dumbest things to say. But I would call, leave a message. I love that. It's so fun. I'm very into figure skating. And they're a lo- they're very superstitious. And there was um, a figure skater in the '90s, Todd Eldridge, and he. I remember I had this book that had all information about them. And he would um, put like one skate on. He put his right skate on, and then his left skate on, and then he would tie his left skate, and then he would tie his right skate. And I thought that was really fascinating. Whoa, so, that was it's like Nomar when he would do like the yeah, little thing with his, his wrists. Gloves, yeah. yeah. Um, the Drake thing is so interesting because there's actually a Drake curse. 
that is like very well known in sports. And so part of it is they probably want to avoid that. But whoever Drake roots for, so he often goes to his Toronto teams, but he's also been known to show up for different college teams, Kentucky, um, and whoever he shows up for loses. And so they probably are like, it's not even just that he's from Toronto. It's like, we got to we gotta just keep Drake away from our whole situation, right? <laughs> yeah, he's bad luck. Um, I have to say the Bucks are up 2-0 and oh, as of right now. Who knows by the end of the series, but as of this recording, the Bucks are winning that series. So Milwaukee working. is, yep, Milwaukee's on top. It's all due to like Kiss Radio in Milwaukee, I guess. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Are there any other things you would want our listeners to know yes. before we sign off? <laughs> no, this was so much fun. This is awesome. It was fun for us too. And good luck next yes. week. Thank you. Yes. yes, we'll see how it shakes out. Well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Poppet. See ya. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com.